If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. indicators who knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature this podcast is powered by Acast. how are you i hope you're enjoying the last of the sunshine what have we you're right. look at the head in you <laughs> Are you are you, are you accusing me of not having sufficient <laughs> melanin in my body, Mr. Davis? Do you know, many years ago, I'll just say this quickly. Many years ago, myself and Mac were down at Sea Point. Oh, yeah. And this. in swimming and all that, having a great laugh. And Macker came home, rashered, like rashered. I, red raw, skin peeling off. He was in bed for... For oh, days. I think it was a day, full week. It was a full week. It was like... I had to nurse was, him. It was like wet wallpaper. The poor old Redsers are not. <laughs> we are equipped for many things, John, but summer proper so, summer holidays. Not right we are you. not. I know. Which is like it's so funny because I go to Croatia every summer, which is roasting. Yeah, so you I just go over and sit in the shade. Yeah, I do, and the whole family just laughs. <laughs> just operate at night. Yeah, and I kind of walk like a crab, kind of sideways around the place. You know? <laughs> but when I told you about the Redsers, are the most recent design of humanity. You know that. Right. We are the last big genetic mutation. Right. We're only six we're only six or seven thousand mutants. We're yeah, we're only six or seven thousand years old. This red hair and blue eyes. Yeah. And red hair and green eyes. You don't look past it. <laughs> I feel absolutely anyway. Nice nice of you to reveal some of my, yeah. my Well hey. Hey. I want to talk this week about Brown Thomas. I'm oh, yes, of course you do, yes. I'm going to talk about how the Brown Thomas bag, which used to be a sign of upward social mobility and status, could well become toxic in the future. But I also want to talk, which is a little interesting angle, I also want to talk about the government, obviously, have been listening to us because they've completely well, they changed... They They completely changed tack on the budget. There you go. That's down to us, I'm That's sure. That's down to us, Exactly. Anyway, just before when people are hearing BT, if you're not familiar with the brand BT, Brown Thomas, Brown Thomas is a very upmarket shop. It's probably the most upmarket. It's kind of like an Irish Harrods, if we could have something like that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you're not from Ireland, you probably won't know, but this is a universal story. John, it's a universal story, but taking a local example. (laughs) And away we go. But first I want to talk about, just briefly, up until last week, all political commentary, the people who actually are close to the politicians, yeah, uh, were saying that there'll be a big drive to reduce the Irish budget deficit. And I've always said we don't need to do that, that the world has changed completely. Because interest rates are at zero. A, interest rates are at zero, and B, we're in a monetary union. 
right? And when you're in a monetary union, unless you go completely off-piste, as we did with the housing banking crisis, yeah. particularly the housing crisis, right? We yeah. just funneled hundreds of millions of euros into the economy of borrowed money and destroyed the thing. As I have said before, the Irish economy didn't just collapse. It was set up to fail. Like right. You couldn't have seen it any other way. So we were off piece then. But if you're, but that was, it was set up out of ignorance. It was more. set up, no, it was set up about agreed. From 2000 okay. to 2006, the Irish banking system just, Ireland became, as I've said before, not so much a country with a banking system, but a banking system, a delinquent banking system with a country stuck onto it. <laughs> right. right? But, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, but, but that's, that's old news, right? Now, I believe, in the monetary union, if we are broadly in line with the rest, there is no threat for the immediate evaporation of money from this country, which right. happened in 2008, right? And, and was almost unique to Ireland for yeah. a while. And we need to fix housing. So borrowing money, state borrowing money, as long as it's used productively, is a really good thing. Right? Right. So you would take the opportunity of low interest rates to actually fix the housing market. Yeah, yeah. And if that's what they're going to do, that's a great thing. Now, obviously, because they got a slap in, in the by-election. I mean, I think I read somewhere that Fine Gael under Leo Varadkar has lost five by-elections in a row. Oh, really? Yeah. So I mean, it's, right. And they lost loads of seats in the last election. So yeah. this government needs to actually open up the spigots. Now, a huge amount of inherited wisdom in Irish economics is obsessed by budget deficits. Why? Because we've had budget debt crises in the past. But I believe we're in... A but big- that's the world over as well. It's not just Ireland. No, but we've had budget crises in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. exchange rate crisis in the 80s. We had exchange rate crisis in the 90s. We had a massive budget problem in 2008. All of these were self-inflicted, mm. right? So there is a sort of a residual legacy that what happened in the past will happen again. I'm not too sure. I think we've moved into a totally new phase of economics. And and I think a lot of the old rules, not that they don't apply, but they don't apply in the same way. But the interesting thing is the state has changed colours. And I think that's quite a good idea. And that's a victory for common sense. Good stuff. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Now, John, the BT bag. There's a, an apocryphal story, but I think I like it, that in the 1990s, in the early 1990s, when Irish people were just starting to get a little bit of money in their back pocket, yeah, that somebody's elder sister told somebody else's elder sister that she used to go shopping in Roaches, <laughs> yeah. and she'd come out of Roaches in Henry Street, but she'd have a BT's bag that she purloined for something, and she'd stuff all the Roaches stuff, and she'd march up Grafton Street saying, I'm a BT's type of person. Right, okay. So, because, you know, the, the key to branding is to get into people's heads. And it's not to get into people's heads so they react like, I like that. Yeah. But it's they react, I am like that. These are my tribe. This is my church, right? So you can imagine that's the elixir for brands and for upwardly mobile Irish people of a certain hue, yeah. right? Of a certain of weakness. A yes. Of yeah, a yeah. certain weakness, right? Not like you and me, obviously, <laughs> very secure in ourselves. But of a certain weakness. The brand that was BT's was like Harrods or Saks Fifth Avenue in the States yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah, those yeah. big brands are, right? However, right now, Brown Thomas risks becoming toxic as a brand, and I'll tell you why. Go on. Okay. I was sitting on South William Street, imbibing a pint the other day in the sun, avoiding the sun, right. in the shade. And South <laughs> William Street- a whole load of slap on you. Yeah, all loads <laughs> of slap on me. But South William Street in Dublin, again, we're talking about Dublin, we're just going to broaden that for in a wee bit, right? South William Street in Dublin is ideally suited for pedestrianisation, number one. Number two, in every survey, the overwhelming majority of Dubliners want that quarter that part of them to, yeah. to become pedestrianized, yeah, right? It. It's the whole idea of the outdoor summer. This is the whole idea of COVID. We've got to use the streets. That street space is incredibly precious, yeah. right? And it has to be a price. And of course, that street's full of cafes and bars and whatever, right? But I was sitting there sipping and out comes a Land Rover Discovery from the catacomb Lovely. that is the BTs. Lovely. I wonder what they discover in a Land Rover Discovery. <laughs> like it's hardly a like a Columbus type endeavor yeah. to buy a discovery. There, there's so many of them. I'm, I'm actually convinced there's a, a Land Rover to work scheme. <laughs> there actually is. Yeah, there's loads of them, right? So the person in the Land Rover blasted, came out of BT's car park, which mm. is very tight. And of course the car is huge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, As I said, 3,000 kilograms of steel and 50 <laughs> kgs of entitlement in the car, right? Okay. And... <laughs> It's true, but think about the logic. Think about the physics, the physics of it all. And it comes out and blasts the horn at family. Like really blasts them, starting right. And I just thought, how ugly is that behavior? How unbelievably ugly is that behavior? And then I thought to myself, right, if the vast majority of Dubliners want pedestrianization, and yet the street is being prevented from being pedestrianized by the entitlement of the few who use the car park, BTs as a brand could become highly toxic because it will come to represent a brand that is in the wrong side of a cultural shift. Now, the reason this is important, you see it all the time, like like during the European Championship, right? Mm. When the English footballers took the knee at the beginning, right? Yeah. Boris Johnson and all those people scoffed at them and thought it was an exercise. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, this this is kind of woke behavior, right? Yeah. As soon as it became apparent that English people, particularly the youth of England, yeah. wanted the players to take the knee, didn't like racism, wanted their team to be yeah. full of yeah, people yeah, yeah. from Caribbean background and Irish background or whatever, right? Suddenly Boris Johnson in a rear guard action is trying to get on side, right? Yeah. So it's not the first time he's tried to do that. No, on, but on, it, many issues, on many issues, right? Yeah. Right. But I mean the whole idea is that the Tory party understands branding. 
And brands have to be on the right side of cultural changes. And this is now what's called ESG in corporate boardrooms, yeah. which is environmental, social, and government. How you behave on the environment, how you behave in social, how you govern your own people, how you actually employ people. Yeah. This is all yeah, hugely yeah. important. We'll go on to this in a second. But, and this is why BTs have to be very careful. Because if they are seen to be on the side of large, ugly, threatening, menacing cars in a street area that everybody wants pedestrianized and open up, what will happen is their brand will become associated with something that the vast majority of people don't like. Yeah. And therefore, it's what a- used to be an upwardly socially mobile status symbol, the BT bag, yeah. will be actually a toxic source of shame, right? So this is what I was thinking. These are the things I think about. So, so as, I'm, as I'm having my pints, I think about these things. So so now it's going to be people are going to buy stuff in BTs and stick it in the roaches. In roaches bag. bags, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe the roaches bag comes back. Maybe Blind Boy will wear a roaches bag over his head. <laughs> Actually, I might have to have a word with him and say, hey, Blind Boy, what's a roaches bag? No, but I come back to this idea, right? That in the past... A company only had to worry about its P&L, mm. right? That was its asset. Now the world is changing and companies have to worry about other assets, the way they are perceived in the market, the way they're perceived by people. And it's not that I wake up at night worrying about the status of BT, John. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever worried or, about Or them. Range Rovers. <laughs> or Range Rovers, yeah. Discoveries. <laughs> think about the name, Discoveries. Yeah. Or what is the other thing? The Volkswagen have a thing called a two-reg. After the Tuareg, yeah. After some tribe. Yeah, in Mali. I mean, They're from did, Mali. What did they do to reserve that? When was the last time you saw a bunch of lads from Mali driving around in an upscale Volkswagen? I mean, it makes no sense. Although I do quite like the Renault Twingo. I've always quite liked that. that Who are the Twingos? But let's get back to our point. Right? Our back to our point is about the way in which the world has changed and the dispensation of brands, yeah. right? Yeah. In the past, brands and companies had permission to behave badly. And they could, with a good bit of PR and a bit of spin, they could spin their way out. But now in a world of smartphones, Twitter, of Instagram, Mm. of online activity, brands have to be unbelievably cautious about where they position themselves. And it's no longer enough just to sell, as a retailer, clothes or whatever BT sells, right? Everything, right? They need to also be part of the community. So brands need to be what they call good corporate citizens. How do you behave? And if you think about it, in, in the past, you know, things like the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, all these things seep into companies and how companies position themselves. So, for example, very recently, there was a company called Boohoo, which is an English, British-based retailer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. clothes company. And they were all, you know, down with the kids and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And it was revealed that they were paying their workers under the, under the minimum wage suddenly huge amounts of money is extracted. Investors. Right, okay. From them, right? So you have to be and what hyper, about the consumers? The, hyper, and of course the consumers then yeah, think, hold on yeah. a second, I don't want to wear but stuff. This, this is, that kind of thing has, has reared its ugly head before with the likes of Nike and, you know, having sweatshops over in Bangladesh and Southeast Asia, et cetera. And yeah, Nike seemed to... They got away with it then. Yeah, they seem to ride their way through that. So let's look at the data, right? There's a wholesale change in the way people are looking at investing and consuming. And I come back to this. The big big thing in corporate boardrooms now is this ESG, right? So according to Morningstar, 
right? Which which basically is a fund management. It looks at all the funds okay. on the investment side, right? ESG focused investment funds held close to one point seven trillion dollars in assets okay. last year. In the final quarter of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, sustainable funds recorded a record inflow of $157 billion, with over 80% of the total inflows recorded by European funds. So this is a huge thing. So investors are now saying, I'm not going to invest in a company, no matter how good its P&L, yeah. if it doesn't accord to my values as an investor. I'll give you another figure, right? In the US, assets under management of ESG funds amounted to $236 billion in 2020, a 70% increase from 2019. So this, is, so, so this is not greenwashing. This is This actually, is the real deal. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the real deal. Now, there could be an element of greenwashing in it, right? But it's basically funds are talking to people who invest and people who invest and in saying, I only want you to put my money in this type of company. Yeah. And this type of company has to behave extremely judiciously on its environmental footprint, mm. its social impact, and the, its own internal corporate governance, the way it pays people. It's all sorts of employee-related things. Yeah. This is why BTs is running a huge risk. Now, the interesting thing, just to clarify on BTs before we go on, BTs doesn't own that car park. Right? right? This is the crazy thing, but its name is over the gate. So it's imperiling its own brand without even getting the upside of the money from the car park, which means it's doubly stupid. So, right. you know, it, it, do you know what I mean? It's kind yeah, of, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'll give you a few more, a few more extraordinary figures, right? Morgan Stanley came out with a report and it said that 76% of younger generations in the UK believe it is increasingly important to factor in ESG considerations into investment decisions compared to 30% of older generations. So it's a massive generation gap. Right. So okay. younger people that's, are on are really with this. Yeah, they're really, really with this, right? And what's also interesting is there's lots of evidence to suggest that the business of sustainable investing, right, yeah. is lucrative. Morningstar, again, found that 73% of indices that classify themselves as ESG have outperformed they're non-ESG equivalents. Oh, so right. the share prices have risen as well yeah. because of this overwhelming. So what is happening in investing? That's the critical factor. Yeah. You do the right thing and you make money. Yes. That's yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And that's why you ha brands have to be incredibly careful about how they behave. So mm. that's on the investing side. And this is all, all fascinating stuff. Now, I'm going to give you something on the consumer side, on public opinion, because yeah. all brands live and die in the battleground of public opinion, mm. right? Do you remember what Ronaldo did the other day in the in the football? Scored a goal. He scored five goals. Before, he, he got the golden boot, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Yeah. But do you remember he took the Coca-Cola, the two Coke that's cans. That's right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he yeah. said, no, Agua. So that's the moment where Coca-Cola realized we're on the wrong side of a youth movement. Yeah. So the influencers are incredibly important because they are actually setting the tone. And as you see from the research, it's the younger generation, yeah. right? And again, I come back to this, and it's the younger generation who want to sit in cafes in Dublin too. And they're the very people, because if BTs loses the younger generation, they have no future Yeah. as a retailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and again, in retail, you have to be so careful because the margins in retail are so slim now because people are online shopping. It's so easy to switch yeah. away so they have to be extra careful. But I'll give you some other well, data. There is, there is a, a flip side to that, though, as well, is that when you do go online, you're less likely to know 
the history of a particular product. Yes. We spoke before about the changing supply chains. Yeah. And back in the 90s, supply chains were so long and so convoluted. And you didn't know where anything was coming from. Yeah. So now supply chains are much shorter, more local. So they're easier to... To trace. They should be easier. Track and trace. It's a track and trace mechanism. Yeah. But the classic track and trace mechanism now is Twitter. Because if a company behaves badly, somebody will put it up online. Yeah. And then it'll gain traction. So this is this is the whole idea. And then this changes public opinion. This is back to the, the taking the knee in the English footballers. Yes. Suddenly yeah. the politicians realize, oh, wow, actually, this is something the vast majority of people are behind. Yeah. So let, let's look at some stats, right? And the best one, of course, is pride, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Ten years ago, companies were not interested at all in pride. Right now, every major brand is bending over themselves yeah, to be involved. There's rainbows everywhere. There's rainbows everywhere, exactly. There's more <laughs> rainbows you can shake a big stick at, right? And I mean, it all. this is all because of culture matters to commerce. And commercial people who don't see that will lose out. Look, look at these figures, right? PwC had a, a report just out called the Consumer Intelligence Survey, right? About, again, ESG. Mm. Two-thirds of consumers' surveys indicated that they would discontinue relations with companies that treat employees, communities, or the environment poorly. Two-thirds. 81% of consumers think companies should be actively shaping ESG best practices. So it's not okay. good enough to just be passive. You have to be active. 91% of business leaders, so corporate boardrooms are onto this, surveyed believe that their company has a responsibility to act on this ESG, right? And 86% of their employees said they would prefer to support or work for companies that care about the same issues as they do. Now, so suddenly you're kind of weaponizing your your the way you shop is where you shop and where you spend your money yeah. is an ideological thing. It's a reflection of your own behavior. What kind of companies were were surveyed, or is it just a potpourri? I think of it. Oh, potpourri, a potpourri of companies, a potpourri of companies. I think it was a potpourri of companies. It's uh, this the source is PwC's. 2021 Consumer Intelligence Survey. But what is happening, it's very, very clear that there is a profound, profound shift in the way consumers and investors Mm. are behaving. Another stat, amongst those surveys, consumers indicated they were much more likely to buy from companies that stand up for the environment, that's 80%, 76% that stand up for social ideas, Mm. and 80% for corporate governance issues. Now, this is like, a massive sort of me too moment for the corporate sector. And if you look at all the brands that are, the one thing fascinates me about brands is how fragile they are, right? The brand has to be earthed in something real. Yeah. And if it isn't, what you will find is those companies that lose their way, right? That aren't sensitive to this, whose antenna are not alert to public behavior and public opinion will become toxic, right? And I mean, the great example of that was Jared Ratner. Do you ever remember oh, Jared yes, Ratner? Yes, Jared yeah. Ratner, he came out at, I think it was in the early 90s. Now Ratner's, when I, I was, remember this when so I well. was living in the UK, Ratner's was a huge company. It was on every high street. Yeah, they were selling, jewelers. They were selling, jewelers. Yeah, selling yeah. jewelry. Yeah. And Ratner came out at his own AGM, stands up, having driven the share price up, yeah. taking the adulation of yeah. the crowd and says off the cuff, isn't this amazing because the actual product is shite? Yeah. No, he said, it's actually crap. Yeah. And Ratner's collapsed. That the company disappeared. <laughs> yeah. That company disappeared, right? Its share price collapsed. That was an 
early indication yeah. of how your brand and your behavior and your attitude to your customers, right? Now, in the Ratner case, he besmirched his own customers. Basically said, you are a bunch of Egypts because I'm selling you crap. Mm. Now, In the same way as Hillary Clinton besmirched the deplorables and that blew up in her face. You're right about the deplorables because people say, well, is that who I am? Am I a deplorable person yeah. for voting for your man, your friend? My friend, yeah. Who, who I looked like one summer <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> in the orange face. Um, but to come back to it, in the Ratner's case, it was a unique relationship between Ratner and his consumer. Now it's something much, much different. It's a relationship between the brand and everyone. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to shop or buy that brand to have an attitude about it, yeah. or have an opinion about it. And therefore, because public opinion has become Twitterized or Instagramized or Facebookized, right? People will have an opinion on your brand who might never have actually shopped. And you might be actually taken down as a brand by people who've never any interest in you, yeah. except they've an interest in cycling and our pedestrianization of streets. Yes. Think yeah, about it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what's it's such quite a, like this is the double-edged sword of social media. Things can change on a dime. Well, this is the commercial equivalent of cancel culture. And it's really yeah, and, yeah. and it is dangerous, right? Because cancel culture is shocking in what it's actually done to public discourse. And this is something similar, right? And so therefore, in its extreme manifestation, it's very worrying. Mm. As a general idea, I think cancel culture like you know, things like Me Too, pretty good ideas. Yeah. But as an extreme manifestation, you're right, absolutely right, where a tiny but very committed social media campaign can actually change public debate yeah. completely. Yeah. But to come back to the brand idea, if you look at the numbers of dollars going into ESG and you lump at the way in which people have to behave and corporates have to behave and you look at the way in which boardrooms are shifting, what's very, very clear is that brands need to be part of public opinion. They need to be cognizant of public opinion and they need to understand very quickly, like Brand Thomas, when they're out of line with public opinion or they will suffer. Just a quick note to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. And if you fancy supporting us on Patreon, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. 